Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we focus on the FIFA Women's World Cup with African teams shining. We hear from South Africa forward Tembi Catalana on their famous win over Italy. You know, every time I wear this jersey, I know that I just don't wear it for myself. I wear it for the 63 million people at home. As coming later, also we check in on some of the African players who've moved to the English Premier League. And Stuart looks ahead to Sunday's Community Shield with Man City playing Arsenal. We also ask what to expect from Chelsea this season. But first, lots on the FIFA Women's World Cup in New Zealand and Australia this week. And it's turning out to be a fantastic tournament for Africa, with three of the continent's four teams making it through to the round of 16 for the first time and after they'd all had slow starts. Nigeria, South Africa and Morocco have progressed, while interestingly Brazil, Germany, Italy and Argentina all exited at the group stage. Let's start with Morocco. A thrilling 1-0 win against Colombia put them into the round of 16 at their first ever Women's World Cup, Ida. Steve, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the standards that Moroccan football has set for itself, right? And I said that based on that, that I wouldn't be too shocked with them making it into the next round. And a couple of weeks later, here you go. <laughs> And the same narrative that we saw build around the men's team has now started with the women. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It's a historic achievement. And what a moment as well for coach Renald Pedros. We talked about his caliber, you know, winning the Women's Champions League twice, voted FIFA Best Coach for Women's Football. That was back in 2018. But what a feather on his cap this is. And I would be so curious just where it rates, where it ranks amongst all those achievements. And Steve, Germany, by the way, who beat the Atlas Lionesses 6-0 in the group stage, were eliminated. And it's absolutely crazy. Two-time world champions and with the U.S. also given a scare and a half in a separate group, we have so many underdogs shaking the table and it does make me wonder, you know, if we're heralding some change in the women's game. Yeah, that's definitely something that we'll be assessing. And Morocco play France on Tuesday in the round of 16. Well, South Africa went through to the round of 16 in pulsating style with a 3-2 win over Italy on Wednesday. Here's the 2018 African Women's Player of the Year, Atembi Catalana, who got the winner in stoppage time. Personally, for me, it's amazing, you know. Um, I look back, coming back from a year of my injury, Achilles tendon, and uh, to be a part of a team, to to keep on scoring, to keep on assisting, to put to keep on putting this team first. For me, it's it's what I do. You know, every time I wear this jersey, I know that I just don't wear it for myself. I wear it for the 63 million people at home. I know that I just don't represent myself. I represent my club, the people that you know sent me here that have been taking care of me. And I think uh, what we did today, it's still has to sink in tonight. 
But I think we have to pack and prepare to go to Sydney, uh, you know, but it's just amazing. The energy and excitement, you know, for everyone personally working hard from qualifying last year to being here today. The message I have is for this team to always stick together uh, in the ups and the downs. And in this tournament, that's, that's what we showed, you know, we're coming up every every day at training for each other. We're coming up in games fighting for each other, fighting for the country, even though some people didn't believe in us. But for those that believed in us, this is for them to celebrate and to enjoy it. As Tembi Catalan are there, so South Africa play the Netherlands on Sunday in the round of 16. What's your assessment of Banyana Banyana's campaign so far, Aida? Massive, massive improvement, Steve. One, from their last World Cup, where they lost all matches and left without a point. And two, massive improvement within this edition. Looking at their group stage, and Steve, they were within winning distance so many times. But of course, no one ever remembers the could-have-beens, only the winners, right? But look, let's break it down for a second here, because it really does help to give this context. So they had led 2-0 against Argentina, but they ended up drawing 2-2. They had also led against Sweden, but they ended up losing. So Coming into this game, they figured out what was leading to their mistakes. So yes, they could score, but they were running out of steam. And Coach Ellis said that the team then trained around this weakness, that they pressed Italy only when it was necessary so that they could conserve energy. And then they looked for a moment to kill off the game. And Steve, that's exactly what happened. So, of course, the flip side of this would be if the next team decides to play a high-tempo game that wears Banyana out. But hey, we cross that bridge when we get there, you know. But sometimes when people talk about African teams not being tactical, African teams relying instead on natural talent and strength, you know, just not being smart, then I wonder what they really mean. Because Banyana's game plan against Italy, well... If that wasn't the epitome of strategy, I don't know what is. The on-field chemistry between Katlana and Hilda Magaya has been brilliant. That showed in that decisive game where they exchanged roles for assistant scorer in both goals. Simply sublime. And for Katlana especially, I mean, she's been through a lot, you know. She revealed losing three family members in the last two weeks. So for her to keep on and be part of the result, it says a lot. All in all, Steve, it's incredible to see women's football doing for some countries what men's football has never even achieved or come close to achieving in this continent. And the fact that some of the teams from Africa who have made it to the knockout round are some of the teams that were most mistreated by their federations, well... I think that that speaks loads about their character. But once again, I look forward to the day when teams' performance will be aided by their federations and not hampered by it. Yes, and in particular, FIFA Secretary-General Fatma Samura has said this week in the Nigeria dressing room that the appearance money for the Super Falcons players will be ring-fenced so that uh, when FIFA pay the Nigeria Football Federation, uh, the money must be paid on in full to the Nigeria players. 
Well, Nigeria play England in a blockbuster round of 16 match on Monday. Good campaign so far from the Super Falcons, Ida. What a test is going to be against England. What a test indeed, Steve. The European champions, England. The teams met in 1995. That was in the group stage. And the West Africans lost to the Europeans. But they met again in 2002 and again two years later. And on both occasions, Nigeria beat England. And Steve, I think the Super Falcons should not be phased here. Not at all. I mean, bigger surprises have happened in football. And look, call me naive. But I genuinely believe that Nigeria is in with a real, real chance here. I mean, they haven't lost yet in the competition. They've kept two clean sheets against some pretty impressive teams. Amongst them, Olympic champions Canada, who are ranked seventh. They beat home team Australia, you know, in front of a home crowd of 49,000 people that, frankly, of course, did not want them to win. So... And they had to come from behind to do that. So I think that takes real guts. I think it takes real character. And as much as Africa loves a Sisat or Shoala, it's good. It's almost refreshing, Steve, to see other players get the shine, you know. Chiamaka Nadodzie definitely got a lot of fans, you know, with that penalty save in their game against Canada. But that aside, I think she's also really using this World Cup to announce herself on the global stage. I mean, Paris FC know all about her talent. She's been instrumental in getting them to -to back-to-back UEFA Women's Champions League. But she's definitely gotten herself a new wave of fans with this one. But back to the team in general, and once again, Steve... Nigeria going above and beyond the obstacles placed in their path on the way to the World Cup to pull off a very commendable performance. Because, as we all know, the Super Falcons perform in spite of the Federation, not because of it. And this would be the third time that the Super Falcons will be appearing at the knockout phases with their best outing being a quarterfinal finish in 1999. And who knows, they might just match that this year. Yes, uh, let's see. So the only team that didn't make it through to the round of 16 from Africa is Zambia. Frustrating campaign for the Shipolo Polo. Uh, 5-0 losses to Japan and to Spain, then beating Costa Rica 3-1 when they were already out of contention. Well, here's Captain Barbara Banda after the win. She scored from the penalty spot. Uh, Zambia's first ever win at the Women's World Cup coming on their debut appearance. It's very big to the team and uh, the country because uh, when we look back home we've had a lot of support from the fans so we really wanted to win in today's game and it's very big for me because um, looking at the time I played Costa Rica that was in 2014 but this is a different level and uh, I I was just positive to say we just have to carry this day so it was amazing and uh, I think we played very well as a team. That's Barbara Banda, so Zambia should be fairly happy, I guess, Ida. They should be, Steve. I mean, we've just come from talking about South Africa, who left their first World Cup in 2019 without a single point, you know. And this was after decades of being a top gun in the continent. So I think for Zambia, 
three points from a win at their maiden edition. I think they're doing just fine. And the Copper Queens, they did come into this World Cup off the back of some amazing friendly results, especially that win over two-time champions Germany, you know, who, as we've said, have been eliminated. But if you remember, Steve, we did talk about Zambia's inconsistencies, that the same team that could beat Germany had also lost 10-2 to South Korea just three months before that. And I do think that that also showed itself on the global stage. Of course, you know, coupled with many other things like inexperience, you know. But I do love the attitude from Banda there. And I do think that they go home with their heads held high. Yes, uh, surely it was a positive experience uh, for Zambia's Shi Polo Polo. Thanks a lot, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to men's football, uh, to the English Premier League and Manchester City play Arsenal in the Community Shield on Sunday. Well, plenty of interesting moves for African players into the Premier League. And I'm joined by African football expert Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, take us through the notable moves, Solis. Uh, one player you talked about on the show last season was Senegal's Nicholas Jackson when he was at Villarreal in Spain. And he's set for a big role at Chelsea. Yeah, I'm actually very excited to see Nicholas Jackson in the Premier League with Chelsea. Uh, this was a player who just six months ago we were talking about possibly going to Bournemouth, but the Senegal International has bagged the deal with um, the Blues and already he's looking very, very interesting. I mean, we're talking about a very versatile, very instinctive, quick, enthusiastic forward. He's just plugged in seamlessly up front um, during preseason, and he has no end of confidence. So I'm really looking forward to what he could bring to this Chelsea side, who are in need of that, you know, totem pole set of forward. Um, the Didier Drogba mantle hangs very heavy, you know, in Chelsea, at Chelsea, but Jackson looks the part already, and I'm really, really excited by that. Um, I think he's the pick of, or one of the picks of the summer, really. The other is probably Andre Onana, who has moved to Manchester United from Ajax. Now, um, we saw all the drama with Andre Onana at the World Cup with Cameroon, how he was sent home for some of his preferences in possession. We know what he's about. He's an excellent uh, ball-playing goalkeeper. He's the sort of goalkeeper that United have been crying out for under Eric Ten Hag. So you know he's going to challenge convention. You know he's going to keep fans on the edges of their seats with his risk-taking. So I'm really interested to see how that goes because in a way the Premier League is a little close-minded. Um, they are very, very averse to changing. So Andre Nana is going to face a lot of that attention just for the way he likes to play. But it's a net positive. For Manchester United, it's really just about how he handles that. Does he have the mental strength to weather all of that increased scrutiny? That's the real wrinkle here for now to Manchester United. Um, Calvin Bassi has moved to Fulham from Ajax, you know, the Nigerian international. He had a really rough time of it in the Netherlands. So this is something of a career resurrection for him. Um, Ajax, you know, very big club, lots of legends chiming in, lots of egos at the club. Endless criticism, endless um, scrutiny for Calvin Bassi over every action, every mistake. And a lot of people forget this is a young player who's really only played three 
senior seasons of, of football, you know, so there was a lot for him to learn. And Ajax knew that going in, but that didn't stop some of the over-the-top criticism for um, at a club with very high standards, but whose competitiveness has been waning um, recently. I mean, we've seen how this summer has gone for them. So I, I would hope this is a new clean slate for Calvin Bassi at Fulham. Um, we've seen Olaino to move to Nottingham Forest. Um, Olaino is a very peculiar player. He's a very technical fullback, but he struggled at Torino despite some, you know, bright spots. They play a wingback system and he's not really that sort of, uh, explosive wingback. He's more of a technical, more build-up focused player, but he's a great athlete. No doubt. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to Nottingham Forest because they also require a lot of forward thrust on their fullbacks. But the good news for Lionel is that he'll be back home in London. So you would expect that to be a positive and that to help him a little bit more. Isakabore moved to Luton Town, um, the Burkina Bay International. Very interesting. Luton are a very peculiar team tactically. Tactically, they're very direct. They play a lot of, you know, long balls try to hoover up second balls. There's a lot of sprinting up and down the pitch. So if you look at it that way, you could say Isakabore is the perfect fit for their, as a wingback in, in their shape. He's a roadrunner, exceedingly rapid. So these are just some of the new guys coming in. We have an already existing strong continent of African players in the Premier League. You know, Mohamed Salah and Joe Matip still going strong at Liverpool, still flying the flag. Um, an interesting storyline at Arsenal with Ghana's Thomas Partey, who has to fend off the big money acquisition Declan Rice for his spot within the team. So interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Dango Watara already gave us a taste last season with the Bournemouth for what he could do. This coming season, he has a new ultra-attacking manager in Anthony Iraola. So um, we could see him explode, really. Um, Alex Iwobi was Everton's player of the season last term. Obviously, he'll want to keep the same level of individual performance, but hopefully not with um, Everton battling relegation trouble once again. You know, speaking of losing town, Gabriel Oshaw and Elijah Adebayo are both eligible for Nigeria and their performances have already ticked off Nigerian national team selectors. So they want to give good accounts of themselves in the Premier League. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, interest and intrigue in terms of African performance in Premier League this season. Yes, absolutely. Thanks a lot to Solis Chukwu in Lagos there. Ask if your thoughts on this on social media this week. Who do you think will be the best African player in the English Premier League this season? So lots of big moves. Senegal's Nicholas Jackson joining Chelsea. Cameroon's Andre Anana going to Manchester United. Interesting there, Luton signing the Burkina Faso wing-back Issa Kabore. Also Calvin Bassi moving to Fulham. Already there, of course, the likes of Mohamed Salah and Thomas Partey. So who do you think will be the best African player in the English Premier League this season? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will be the best African player in the English Premier League this season? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on Sadio Mane's move to Saudi Arabia. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. And there on the website, we've got a new blog about the faith of Liverpool forward Cody Gakpo, who says it's about learning how to live your life with the gifts that God has given you. The blog is on our website, planetsport.tv. You find it in the blog section. Let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, uh, should Kylian Mbappe have taken the money in Saudi Arabia? Mbappe deciding not to discuss a move to Saudi Arabia with Al-Hilal, who had made a world record $332 million offer for him. And Mbappe could have earned around $767 million in one year in Saudi Arabia. But he says he wants to stay with Paris Saint-Germain in France. And then reportedly he'd want to join Real Madrid on a free transfer. So we asked, do you think he made the right decision to turn down the big money in Saudi Arabia? And, well, the vast majority feel that he did do the right thing. Morgan Emma in The Gambia says, I think he made the decision to stay so that he can run down his contract at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, that looks to be true. Uh, Belong Baji also in The Gambia, says it was a good decision. Despite the huge amount involved, it gives him time to carefully decide his next move, says Belong. Uh, Datagun Princewell in Nigeria says it's a good decision because the likes of Ronaldo, Benzema and Kante went for the big money after having won the Champions League. Uh, Sedeko Suno in the Gambia says he needs a better club than Al-Hilal. He should play in Europe and lift the Champions League before going to the Saudi Pro League. Uh, Smith Webby in Zambia says no, he shouldn't go there. Uh, there's better football in Germany, England, Spain, even in the Zambian Super League, says Smith. Uh, Tambert Wallace Lebby in Liberia says he needs to play and win the Champions League. He will play for Real Madrid, says Tamba. Wisdom Barry Zoge Samuel in Nigeria says the life of a footballer is not all about money, but about trophies and the big clubs that you play for. And echoing that is Omeki Tochuku Lewis saying money is not everything. And uh, finally, and very interestingly, and on the other side of this debate, uh, Ayode Hinde Ayejuo in Nigeria says life is all about money too. You make your money to help others in need and to make people's lives better. Uh, God will not come down from heaven to do that. He picks a selected few and enriches them to help others around you, says uh, Ayode Hinde. Well, thanks very much for that. Thanks to everybody who got in touch with us and are always great to hear from you. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. And a football is back this Sunday. Uh, the season opening Community Shield sees a Manchester City uh, playing Arsenal on Sunday, Stuart. Yes, this weekend, Steve, it's all back. You know, traditionally, it's the league champions against the FA Cup winners. But that's a problem this season with Manchester City having won both. So City, as you say, will play Arsenal. Arsenal should have their three new signings, uh, Havertz, Declan Rice and Urien Timber in the team. Whereas Manchester City will start, of course, without Gundogan and Mares, and with only Kovacek so far signed. Does that tip the balance towards Arsenal? Well, you may recall in last year's Community Shield, Manchester City were well beaten by Liverpool and we all thought that Liverpool would be the team to beat. But by the end of the season, City had won the league and Liverpool had fallen away. It just shows that the Charity Shield, the Community Shield, 
as it's now called, seemed just like a meaningless friendly. And then, Steve, a week on Friday, the 11th of August, Burnley play Manchester City and the new Premier League season is underway. But actually, this weekend, there's another intriguing game in the Championship, uh, which starts a week earlier. Sheffield Wednesday at home to Southampton. Last season, Wednesday were in League One and Southampton were in the Premier League. But with one club relegated and the other promoted, they meet on equal terms. Wednesday is a really big club with crowds of twenty to 30,000 even in League One. So intriguing to see what they can do. And the other two relegated Premier League clubs also start their quest to regain Premier League status. Leicester City at home to Coventry and Leeds United at home to Cardiff City. I can hardly wait for this new season, Steve. Yes, and we haven't had to wait uh, that long, have we? So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, now, Chelsea's a club um, with uh, a lot to talk about, Stuart. Uh, bad season last season and um, uh, a lot of uh, new prospects. Um, Steve, before I get into that, could I just make a confession? Last weekend I was bored and I put the television on and started flicking the channels. And I found it. Chelsea playing Fulham. Yes, Premier League clubs couldn't wait for the new season to begin. So Aston Villa, Newcastle, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham and Chelsea were playing a little tournament in America called the Premier League Summer Series. And Chelsea beat Fulham 2-0 and were winners of the series. Not that it's of any significance at all, but I suppose it was just a rather ingenious way for Premier League clubs to play practice matches against teams of equal standard and for someone to make money out of it. And Chelsea's first goal was scored by Thiago Silva, 38 years old, still able to do the business. But it will be fascinating to see what Pochettino's starting lineup is against Liverpool next weekend. Remembering that he's lost 10, well, lost may be the wrong word. I think he wanted to get rid of a lot of them. 10 players have left. Aspilicueta, Aubameyang, Koulibaly, Kovacic, Mendy, Kante, Loftus-Cheek, Pulisic, Havertz, Mason Mount have all gone. And so far, Chelsea have only signed two new players. That's Christopher Kunku, uh, a French striker with Congolese background, who was at Leipzig, and the Senegalese Nicholas Jackson. Kunku, I'd be intrigued to see how he does, because uh, he's spent the last four years playing in Germany, and Chelsea have previously had two Bundesliga strikers, Havertz and Timo Werner, and neither of them really were great success. Well, perhaps uh, Kunku can make that transition from German style of football to English. And Chelsea, of course, continue to be linked with a great number of players. Moises Caicedo, Brighton, it's supposed to be their major target, but so far they've been unwilling to pay the asking price of $150 million. And they're also this week supposed to be chasing Monaco's defender Axel De Sassi, French defender he is. Chelsea, as you say, have an awful lot to play for this season. Uh, more pressure on them almost than any other team with the changes and the money spent. 
Well, going to be interested to see uh, how Chelsea do this uh, new season. And uh, every week, uh, Stuart, we've got something to talk about with uh, Saudi Arabia on the show. Well, yes, uh, Sadio Mane has become the latest big-name Africa player to go to Saudi, joining Al-Nazar, where he will play alongside Ronaldo. And he's allegedly going to be paid half a million dollars a week, tax-free. Mane played in France and Austria before coming to Southampton in the Premier League. And at Liverpool, not only did he score 90 league goals in 200 appearances, but it was his unselfish play which created so many opportunities for Mo Salah. But when his contract was up, he decided to leave Liverpool and go to Bayern Munich. But after a good start in Germany, it all went a bit sour. He only started about half the club's league games, and even then he was often substituted. For Liverpool, he scored a goal every two games. In Germany, it was more like one in four. But what interested me this week was the comments of two Premier League managers. Pep Guardiola said that the Saudi Pro League had changed football completely. He said that he really wanted to keep Riyad Mahrez, but the player got such an incredible offer that I couldn't honestly tell him not to take it, said Guardiola. And he added, when Cristiano Ronaldo moved to Saudi, no one could have imagined that so many quality players were going to follow him. And he said, in future, I think it's just going to happen more and more. And particularly now that there are three clubs in Saudi with managers with strong Premier League backgrounds, it, in a way, is going to be easier. That's Steven Gerrard, Nuno and Slavin Bilic. So I think we can indeed expect more transfers. And Jurgen Klopp made similar comments about his surprise that Jordan Henderson decided to leave Liverpool after eight years, but that again he was powerless to compete with the money that Henderson was being offered. Well, Saudi Arabia, one of the big stories of this uh, off-season. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Stuart Weir and from Ida Waringa, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport, Football Africa is a passion for sport production.